Imagine walking through a still smoldering forest after a wildfire. Can you smell the burnt wood, the, that sharp sting of the smoke in your nose? Listen to the eerie silence of no birds chirping and the sound of crunching under your feet as you step on twigs and fallen branches. Then look down at the bottom of your shoes covered in soot, ash, and smears of black. It's unrecognizable. And you know this forest well, and it looks nothing like it used to. I bet this has been your marriage at one point. After the toughest time you faced, the most painful moment, or the biggest disaster, it's unrecognizable. As you survey the damage, you find it both extremely sad and hopeless. But as I've talked about in the past few episodes, there is hope. And today I'm talking about three ways that you can partner with God in your recovery from pain and aid in your regrowth process after destruction in your marriage. So go grab your coffee and get ready because here we go. This isn't a game of ding dong ditch and don't worry, I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you friend. Whether you have spit up stains and cluttered counters or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, Take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to the JAR podcast with your host, Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh Lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. I was having so much fun last night when I was preparing for this episode because I just, I love when God gives me the ideas and I don't even have to come up with it. Like the past few episodes that I've been talking about were based on a trip that I just took and I I saw some burnt trees and God just speaks to me these connections of how it applies to our lives, our marriages, and how his creation in nature is similar to the process that he created and does in us as well. And same thing happened last night. I was preparing, I was researching. I knew that I wanted to talk about the recovery process and regrowth after damage from fire. And so I was doing some research. And as I was doing that, I just, I got so excited. Like I was even clapping. My husband was laughing at me. I was like, yes, so good. But it wasn't even me. (laughs) So I hope that you really get something out of this episode as well, that you're able to take the three ways that I'm about to talk about and really understand it and apply it to where you are. And, you know, the past couple of weeks I have been talking about fire, sort of fireproofing your marriage, what that looks like, how that happens in a forest, what are the natural things that happen that God created to help protect trees and wildlife from fire and not even just protect it, but use it for making it better and how regrowth happens. And so if you haven't listened to the past, uh, I think it's two episodes you'll want to go back and listen to that first because this one will make a lot more sense after you listen to those. But 
Today, we're talking about kind of that feeling, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've had too, like I have of, I, I just wish that I could hit the reset button on my marriage. <laughs> things start to go downhill, problems come up, you walk through difficult things, and you just wish you could push a button and rewind and go back, not necessarily to relive things, but to change things or just to hit reset and erase all the bad stuff. I get it. It's difficult to see any sort of value in the difficult and not just wish that we could rewind time. There's a quote that I found that says, in the harrowing aftermath of a major wildfire, it may be difficult to appreciate the restorative power in the fire itself. In the fire itself, in the thing that tore you apart, in the thing that caused division. Not that we look at, oh, I'm so glad that we almost got divorced, or I'm so glad that he cheated on me. Oh, I'm so glad that this happened. It's not that the thing itself that caused it, whatever it was, like when there's a wildfire, was it someone tossing a cigarette out into the grass? Was it some kid messing around and accidentally lighting something? Was it um, actually something here in Texas happened recently where there was a water bottle with water in it and the sun was so strong that it acted like a magnifying glass through the water bottle and started a fire. (laughs) Crazy, right? So the thing itself that started it isn't the thing to appreciate. But we know that from Genesis 50, 20 in the story of Joseph, that what man or the devil intended for your evil or your detriment or your destruction, God uses it for good. And that's what I'm talking about. And that's what we can look at is the trial that we go through. There's restoration and regrowth on the other end. And it's really hard to understand that and see that and appreciate that and say, okay, I can walk through this with grace or it until you're on the other end. Sometimes you just can't see it, but I do have to say it. I've experienced it myself of not understanding how on earth is this going to be beneficial to me, but you have to trust the process and we can use what God has done in nature to encourage us that it can happen in our hearts and in our spirits as well. So today, no, we can't set the reset button, but we can apply some post-fire treatments and partner with God in these three ways that are similar to after a wildfire in nature. So you might need a notebook for this because there's going to be some back and forth of talking about what happens in nature and then some terminology that applies to what happens in our hearts. And I don't know, I get excited about this type of thing. So I hope that you see these connections and you get hope like I did. You feel motivated and encouraged and just amazed at how God works and that it can help you trust him more. Number one, the first thing that needs to be done after a wildfire is something called soil stabilization to stabilize the soil. Because right after a wildfire with everything that has fallen, that has broken off, that has burnt, and that has basically been singed on ground level, there's possibility of erosion and flooding and there can be landslides that happen and so there needs to be this immediate 
soil stabilization that happens to help landslides not happen, to help mudslides not happen, to help further destruction be prevented. So even though there's been this damage that's just been done, there's possibility for further damage to still happen. So when I read that, Holy Spirit gave me this thought of, I, I could have done that. I walked through fire in my marriage, destruction, complete what looked like loss and damage, smoldering remains like I referred to in the beginning. But there could have been more damage. There could have been continued destruction if some of these things weren't put in place in my life. And I did walk through some of these stabilization tactics <laughs> um, that we're going to talk about today. So these three ways that I'm about to talk about, as I made these connections, I've actually done them. And so I'm, I'm not just talking theoretically. I'm, it's very practical. Okay, so stick with me. Soil stabilization helps to control erosion and prevent flood events. And this is done through something called reseeding. Not receding like a receding hairline. <laughs> reseeding, like planting a seed. And actually, renumber your paper. And if you're like me, you're like, ugh, you didn't give me the right numbers right away. And now I made a mark and I have to crumple up the whole thing. Number one is reseeding. Soil stabilization is the overarching thing. There's three ways underneath this. So if you're a bullet point note taker like I am, sorry, go back, put soil stabilization as like the title, and then number one, reseeding. Okay, reseeding native grasses and plants. Grass reseeding is the most commonly used erosion control treatment after a burn. Grass is seeded to burned sites from the ground or by air to increase vegetative cover during the first few critical years after a fire. So you think, well, what is a bunch of seed going to do? We need immediate action. We have to do something right now, and seeds take time to develop. So why are we just planting? We haven't even tilled the soil. We haven't done whatever, haven't taken out all the mess yet. And I, I understand we want immediate action. We want to feel like we're doing something active, something proactive, something that's making a difference. And when we don't see that happening, it's really hard to trust that that's happening underneath. And in the previous episodes, I've talked about the seeds growing and what you can't see in the dark until you start to see the sprouts. But if the seed is never planted, there can't be growth. So these seeds have to quickly be planted so that while the nutrients that are released in burnt soil, which again, talked about in another episode, um, they can utilize those nutrients that have basically broken loose and start to grow. And otherwise, if we wait and wait and wait and try planting during a time of drought or when there's trees that have grown up and then it's too shaded, then grass can't grow. Grass seeds need to grow because actually the first thing that grows are weeds. The fastest things that grow after a fire are weeds. I forget the technical term. I have to look it up. Okay, this is just how much of a nerd I am. I actually paused recording to look it up. So these things that sprout up quickly are called ephemerals. And 
One of the definitions is that they are of temporary value or passing interest. So think about the things that pop up after a disaster that want to distract you and they are passing interest. They are not things that are going to help you regrow. They're just going to feel like something that's temporarily offering you peace or temporarily offering you comfort, but it's not aiding you in regrowth. In fact, it's grass and the roots that continue to spread that take the weeds out. So the sooner that you get these seeds planted, the faster weeds are uprooted and actually prevented from growing because these grass roots have grown. So what is this grass seed in your life after disaster, in your marriage, or in another circumstance? Well, you might have some ideas as well, um, and I would love to hear it over in my Facebook group, Christian Wife and Marriage Community on Facebook. We have really good conversations going on over there, and I would love to hear your ideas. But what Holy Spirit gave me was that grass seeds are like sowing biblical seeds of truth. Get in your Bible as soon as you can. It should be happening anyway (laughs) to help prevent, right? But when disaster comes, because it will, the severity of it, I don't know. But some of you have walked through some really hard things and I have gotten some DMs from some of you that have shared a lot and I I can relate. I've walked through devastation. But the thing that I did as quickly as I could was to get in the word. Sowing biblical seeds of truth. Sowing God's word. His words that don't return void that are absolute truth, that are life-giving, that are living water, it's all nutrients. It's little seeds of truth that can take root in our heart and uproot any quick-growing weeds that try to distract us. And it's truth spoken by mentors and friends that are also walking closely with the Lord and can help speak those truths into your spirit. And sometimes we think, I, nothing's working. I'm reading my Bible every day and my situation hasn't changed. This, is, this first step is not going to necessarily change your, your circumstances. But what it is going to do is help you partner with God in the healing process. Just letting time go by doesn't result in ultimate healing, doesn't result in further protecting from damage, more damage later. A forest may have some regrowth, but it's going to look like a hot mess with a mixture of weeds and grass and shrubs and things that didn't grow properly because these steps weren't taken. Grass seed wasn't planted right away and landslides happened and bigger trees fell and there was further destruction and it takes longer or it just looks messy. There is cleanup, there is planting of seeds and regrowth that happens that can then prevent further damage and later down the road when something like this tries to happen again either you're prepared and you know what to do or it takes a lot more to bring that same forest down number one was reseeding and number two is community groups 
Okay, I know that might not sound like it belongs in a conversation about wildfires, but when I was researching, it was this fact that there are cleanup crews that are in place, that are called in. There are these collaborative community groups where people come and help to take out some of the dead shrubs, um, cut down some of the dead trees, and even help in replanting new trees and new shrubs of the native kind so that other invasive kinds don't come along and take over. And it really, I mean, to speed up the process, to partner with God, to have people come around you and help is one of the biggest things that saved our marriage. Um, I didn't want to. I probably fought it tooth and nail. But slowly but surely, I let people in. We let people speak truth to us. We let people get their hands dirty by speaking that hard truth, by bringing up hard questions and conversations and not letting behaviors continue to be what they were or call us out. And it's it's not fun. It's dirty work. <laughs> but it would take so much longer and not be a thorough job without a group of people. Depending on the destruction and the damage that's happened, you may need to have their help for a while. And you may need to call in the troops, so to speak, and allow them to come and minister to you. One thing that I did during our separation was almost every weekend, I met with a mentor. I had a couple different ones, and I also had a Christian counselor. And I would just meet them at a local coffee shop, and I would open up, and they would speak truth to me. We would cry together, pray together, read the Bible together. Christian counseling helped me to dig deep and figure some things out. And then going to my church that we're currently at, the community that I had there that I knew that I did, you know, it looked like walking in the door, the doors of the church and sitting there crying my eyes out during the service and letting people pray over me. And it was rough, but it was one of the ways and one of the most healing aspects. I mean, when my husband had cancer, I have this picture in my mind of um, when his church had this big prayer meeting and he was up at the front and there was just a sea of people around him praying over him. I remember in his hospital room, people coming in, laying hands and praying over him. And if we do that when people are physically sick, why don't we do that more when people are spiritually sick? Why don't we do that more when people are falling apart in their marriages and their families? Why do we just watch it happen from a distance? It is one of the most life-giving things that ever happened to me and to us. And so, if you're the person going through that right now, reach out. Tell someone how much you're hurting. Ask for advice, for insight. Obviously, be careful who you ask because you want this person or these people to be walking with the Lord so that they're speaking life-giving truth to you. And if you are the friend that is watching another friend walk through this and you just, it looks nasty, it looks bad, but it's not your problem, it's not your thing maybe it's time to say something. Maybe it's time to just check on her, check on him, 
Ask them how they're doing and how you can be praying for them and help them. Um, and be willing to maybe speak some truths if it's if you're close to them and that's your place in their life. Be willing if the Lord is leading you. Be willing to get your hands dirty and help somebody in their process of healing. If it's you and you're the one walking through this, be willing to get down and dirty. Be willing to stick with it and aid in the process of taking out the dead things, of doing the work that needs to be done. Don't run from it. Don't try to find the green grass somewhere else. Be patient and do the work. Okay, the third thing is utilizing mechanical techniques. So in a forest fire or after one, there's a combination of these techniques that can be used both immediately after a fire and that can continue for years after a fire. And I liken this to placing boundaries in either your marriage or in your own life. And so it's in a post-fire, it's physical boundaries. It's things like trenching um, to collect any runoff before it causes more erosion. It's these physical barriers like placing these felled logs or these other constructs that protect. Like if you live in a snowy environment, you probably know what I'm talking about. There's It looks kind of like a fence, but there's these things to prevent avalanches. And so the same thing happens in post-fire cleanup is placing these big logs or these fence-type structures to collect anything that starts to slide and prevent it from sliding further. And it can look like placing mulch over different areas that are prone to landslides. And so think about your marriage after destruction or your heart after you've walked through the fire. Maybe you're separated. One of those boundaries probably looks like having an accountability partner or two or three. Having someone to call so that you're not um, just dwelling on the negative or lashing out at your spouse or maybe it looks like not going out at night to help prevent further damage of making poor decisions in your pain. Whatever it looks like, whatever Holy Spirit leads you to set up in your life with boundaries, they are there to prevent further damage. And you might think, well, whatever, damage is done, might as well. (laughs) I mean, that's one way to handle it, but it's not going to aid in the regrowth. There's going to be even more to undo or more pain to have to deal with. And so these boundaries are actually very important to help with the seeds that are planted not be washed away. Those new trees and the work that your community group is helping you do, the people in your life that are speaking the truth, all of that needs steady, stabilized soil to regrow. And if you're out making these compromised decisions and causing even more damage, all those seeds are going to be washed away. The soil of your heart needs to become stable and ready to receive biblical truth that is healing and restorative. 
And so you'll have to pray about what that personally looks like for you as far as what boundaries to put in place depending on your situation, depending on who you have around you. And that's not for me to say is a one-size-fits-all approach, but it's the concept that's there. And really, this is about the fact that after destruction and damage, you are vulnerable and your heart is broken and you are lying there needing help. I was all the pieces broken on the floor too, and I needed help in rebuilding, in picking up the pieces, and the process of putting it back together. Couldn't do it by myself. We need immediate, sustained actions that are necessary to these post-fire restoration actions. We have to be aware and mindful of these aggressive invasive species just like in a forest with those weeds that can overtake the burned ground of your heart and threaten the habitat. We need the native vegetation, the natural thing that God intended him on the throne of your heart to be reestablished. We need both immediate action and continued efforts including the reseeding and replanting, pulling weeds, coming back and removing boundaries and planting more things. It's a continued effort for a long time. But the sooner that you get in, the sooner that you start planting those seeds, the sooner that you invite people in to help in the cleanup and that you accept their help, these are ways that you can partner with God in your healing process and really can be amazed at how quickly you start to see regrowth, how healthy you start to feel and look and operate. It doesn't have to be just damaged and done. It can be restored, renewed, and regrown. Isaiah 43, 19 says, See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Isaiah 61, 3 to all who mourn, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. So you don't have to take my word for it. You can trust God's words, that he is doing a new thing and that he has healing and restoration for you, my friend. I hope this blessed you today. Loads of love, Lydia. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.